Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. As more hospitals, businesses, and schools weigh whether or not to require COVID vaccines, there are a bunch of ethical concerns. On today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily, we hear from a clinical ethicist on what factors institutions are considering. It's Wednesday, June 2nd, and I'm Alex Olgan with GIST Healthcare Daily, where I get the headlines and health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the show. On yesterday's episode, we heard from Dr. Mark Boom, CEO of Houston Methodist, the first hospital system to require employees be vaccinated for COVID-19. Boom said once the vaccine was deemed safe and effective, he felt the requirement was important for patient safety. Aside from patient safety, there are a whole host of ethical considerations. Dr. Brian Kibbe, a clinical ethicist at Marietta, Georgia-based Wellstar Health System, which hasn't yet announced a COVID vaccine requirement, joined me to talk through some of the questions ethicists are considering. Here's some of our conversation. So, Dr. Kibbe, what are the factors that ethicists are considering when deciding whether or not to recommend a vaccine mandate? There's the sort of benefit burden calculus, you know, do the benefits of a vaccine mandate outweigh the burdens or harms associated with uh, a mandate? And that, you know, in comparison, of course, to other alternatives, uh, that the benefits are greater. So I think, you know, first is the seriousness of the threat that we're facing. You know, how, how grave, you know, is the disease or virus that we're trying to fend off? I think another consideration, of course, is safety. You know, is the vaccine sufficiently safe? And of course that, you know, we think about that in the larger context, right? You know, the safety of the vaccine versus the risk of getting the disease and what that might mean. I think also a really important consideration is this notion of effectiveness. You know, not only is the vaccine sufficiently effective, but would the mandate likely to be effective in achieving whatever the intended public health goal is? So if we're trying to achieve herd immunity or more specifically protecting the capacity of the healthcare system or protecting patients or vulnerable populations, then will the vaccine do that? Will a mandate get us there? Because uh, of course, if it's not going to achieve the goal, then why do it in the first place? The mandate's not the only way to uh, you know, achieve higher vaccine compliance. Um, there are you know, education strategies. There's maybe ways to incentivize vaccinations. When it comes to vaccine requirements and healthcare settings, the stakes are higher. Healthcare institutions treat sick patients, and there's the core principle in medicine of do no harm. So how do ethicists think through the freedoms of the provider versus the safety of the patient? The other sort of ethical consideration 
that you know looms large really for ethicists is this notion of a, a harm principle. This principle says that sort of individuals should be uh, you know free to to do lots of things, you know, and, and that freedom is a good thing. Uh, making your own decisions and choices is a good thing. And so long as those, your choices, your actions affect yourself, you know, so be it. But as soon as your actions or choices begin to negatively affect others, to harm other people, that's precisely the point at which uh, we, we, the society, the, the state, uh, the institution, whatever the relevant entity might be, would step in and uh, put some restrictions in place, take some measures to, to stop that harm. Do, does the refusal to get vaccinated constitute uh, a harm or a potential harm to others such that um, some form of a mandate would be warranted? And there's a long-standing tradition in healthcare, of course, of not causing harm to patients and, and really prioritizing the patient's interests, seeking to benefit those patients. And therefore, you know, I think there's sort of that extra incentive or impetus to, to take those extra precautions in a very, in a variety of ways to, to minimize risk to the patients that we serve, um, you know, through vaccination, through putting on protective equipment to minimize the spread through various infection control measures. I think there's also, you know, this concern for, uh, vulnerable and at-risk populations. You know, of course, patients maybe in general are vulnerable by virtue of having some sort of sickness or injury, but of course, certain populations are perhaps more vulnerable. So, you know, we know, of course, that COVID has really affected the elderly uh, quite substantially. They're at greater risk in, in various ways. And so I think nursing homes, you know, it probably weighs on them heavily uh, to think about sort of, is there even greater um, reason to vaccinate, you know, employees and whatnot in the, the nursing home setting. Vaccine mandates have been around for more than a century, dating back to the 1850s when a school in Massachusetts required kids be immunized to attend school to prevent smallpox from spreading. Can you share any lessons learned from previous mandates? One thing that's interesting is um, that at times vaccine mandates have actually galvanized or increased resistance to the vaccine, right? That the, the resistance to a particular vaccine may have been more passive prior to the mandate, but then by virtue of mandating it and actually kind of had the opposite effect of what was intended, of course. Um, and so I think it's worth being aware of, you know, when you're thinking through, do we mandate, do we not? That is a, a potential um, result of, of the vaccine mandate is that it may, you know, cause even more people um, to, to be reactive, to, to challenge the mandate, um, you know, and so that's worth being prepared for and thinking through sort of how to, how to be responsive to uh, the different concerns that might be brought up. Uh, so that's certainly one kind of lesson handed down that I think is, is worth being attentive to. The 1950s marked a big change in public opinion around vaccines because of the devastating polio outbreaks in children. But in the last 70 years, the practice of medicine has obviously changed a lot, and patients are much more involved in their own treatment decisions now. So how do you think that plays into a vaccine requirement or how it's maybe implemented? The way we might proceed with a mandate in the 21st century in 2021 would be different than we might have proceeded with a mandate many, many years ago. What's important to recognize is that medicine has really shifted from a much more kind of paternalistic uh, practice of medicine, wherein sort of doctor knows best. Uh, so, if, you know, if we look back at the 1950s, 
physicians really took a certain amount of liberty in what they did or did not tell their patients, um, you know, and took a more directive approach uh, in maybe making decisions on behalf of the patients that uh, were judged to be in the patient's best interest. And since that time, there has really been just a tremendous shift in how we think about decision-making in healthcare, namely that it's not the doctor's decision, or at least not the doctor's decision exclusively. It's the patient's body, and they're, they're going to be the most affected by the various forms of healthcare treatment that they undergo or don't undergo, and therefore should play an important role in any decisions about uh, medical treatment. In particular, even if patients aren't going to be given a choice about whether or not to get the vaccine, we can still involve them in the process to the extent that we provide them with information about what's in the vaccine, what the likely side effects are, right? And so there's ways we can go about the mandate that I think are still trying to respect the freedom that patients have, the ability of patients to think for themselves, to understand information, to understand what's happening to their bodies in their bodies. Many health systems have other vaccine requirements in place for the flu and other deadly diseases, which are all incredibly important, but farther removed from recent experience or memory. And so I'm wondering if you think there are any special considerations for requiring a vaccine for healthcare workers who just spent a really difficult year plus fighting a global COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe it's still the right thing to go ahead and, and mandate, you know, a COVID vaccine uh, for healthcare workers. But I think we need to be, or I would certainly encourage uh, leaders in the field to be especially sensitive to just the toll that the pandemic has taken on healthcare workers. And and I think, you know, this is what this was a challenge, you know, going into this, that burnout, of course, was already a problem in healthcare. And so some of the things that I've heard from healthcare workers about this topic is that sometimes it feels like uh, the larger institution leadership management um, is kind of putting the problem back on healthcare workers and saying, kind of, don't get burned out. It's your responsibility to not be burned out. And then not really being attentive to the larger systemic issues that are causing that burnout, right? Are there features of the job of the institution that are causing that burnout that are sort of beyond the individual themselves? And I think the same thing needs to be thought through with regard to vaccines that, so if we're saying we need you to be vaccinated in order to protect our patients, uh, in order for you to, to have a, a healthy, reliable workforce, is the inst institution taking other measures to uh, protect patients, to protect the health of the workforce, right? Vaccines aren't the only uh, manner of doing that. I mean, a lot of healthcare workers really felt abandoned by their institutions when they weren't given sufficient protective equipment to do their job. Now, of course, a lot of those concerns have gone away. You know, we've increased protective equipment supplies, but the memory of that is pretty recent still. There, there's going to be need to be some efforts to rebuild trust with the healthcare worker uh, workforce in conjunction with any potential vaccine mandate. There have been a handful of hospital systems that have announced COVID vaccine requirements. Of course, Houston Methodist, as well as Penn Medicine in Philadelphia and RWJ Barnabas in New Jersey. Do you think there's safety in numbers once a certain number or large enough health systems announce mandates that the rest will follow suit? You know, it's sort of like the phrase, all politics is local politics. I think when you get down to it, all healthcare is, is local healthcare. And so, you know, I think each institution needs to think through sort of is a vaccine mandate right for this hospital and this workforce? 
um, you know, given what we do or don't have in place in terms of infection control and the commitments that we do or don't, you know, see ourselves as having to our patients, to our, our workforce. That was Dr. Brian Kibbe, clinical ethicist at Wellstar Health System based in Marietta, Georgia. Thanks for listening to GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on GISTHealthcare.com. GIST Healthcare Daily is an independent production of GIST Healthcare. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.